Good morning, brothers and sisters and visitors. So good to see all of you today. We have some snow, but I think compared to a few days ago, we had a much worse weather because of the wind chill was very, very low and that uh, was almost penetrating through the bones and so on. But <clears throat> thanks to God for for this change and we hope for a, a milder weather for the rest of this winter. And I want to thank you so much for um, Leslie. She is uh, she's very brave. And uh, we we appreciate what you are doing and singing. It's beautiful and playing at the same time. And there is one thing I need to add to the announcements is that uh, Lorraine was kind enough to make copies of the Constitution and bylaws uh, of Noah, which is a nine-page document. And I think she is ready to distribute it at the end of the service, or she will be staying at the door. That's my understanding. Oh, with Penny. Okay, sorry. But you can you can pick up from Penny at the end of the service. And this is for those of you who really commit themselves to come. Okay, so those of us, those of you who uh, would promise to come, please take one copy for for yourself and uh, study it. Uh, today or after sunset and be ready for tomorrow. And I, I would really encourage all of you, you know, as far as possible, because this is a major decision. It's a very, very major. It, it would affect the future of that school. So please come as far as possible and be here at 10 o'clock. We would start at 10 and hopefully finish, I hope, within an hour or so. But... Um, this is something we, we need to do as a, as a church or as a group of believers. And before I open the word of God for us, I'd like to invite my lovely wife, Martha, to come up and recite a beautiful poem about the Holy Spirit. Good afternoon and happy Sabbath to all of you. The poem that I'm going to recite, it's about the Holy Spirit. And uh, in the Sabbath school, we were learning about worship. And I was so happy to sense when we, we came to this room this morning that the people were quiet and ready to worship. And I think the Holy Spirit is the one who is guiding us and leading us how to worship the Creator. The Holy Spirit by Tony Doswell. Ever living from the beginning, creating, sustaining, atoms and molecules arranging, working together with God the Father and Jesus the Son in complete harmony. Everywhere caring, constantly sharing, 
loving mankind unceasingly. Miracles performing, his mercies I knew every morning, bringing hope, joy, and peace. Fighting battles and giving victory. Pointing to Jesus, never forsaking, assisting our earnest pleas. Giving us power each and every hour, whether we are on land, in the sky, or at sea. Constantly wooing, reviving, renewing, generous supplier of our needs. Guide and director, corrector, protector, abundant in mercy, willing to lead. The Holy Spirit we need. Amen. Thank you, Martha, for this beautiful poem. And we, we would really need to pray for the Spirit. Because without the Spirit, we don't even understand the Bible or ourselves or one another. So I'd like to invite you to bow your heads and uh, have a short prayer before we open the Word of God. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the rest that this day brings to us. This is the day of rest. We know, Lord, that at the beginning you separated this day from the other six days of the week. And you designed this day in a way that we should have fellowship with you and with one another. And now as we study the work or the workings of the Holy Spirit, especially in the life of Nicodemus, we ask you, Lord, to give us that insight, what we all need, so we would understand his work a little better in the life of others and in, in our lives. So please open your word and open our hearts and send your spirit who would make an imprint, who would make it live, who would revive us, and who would change us. And we want to thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I gave a title to this sermon, What a Teacher Does Not Know. Have you ever met a teacher who did not really know what he or she was teaching? Well, it is interesting how people view teachers who don't know how to teach or what to teach. And I collected, collected a few um, understanding or a few views on, on teachers and students. Number one, it says that it is an embarrassing situation for both teacher and students when the teacher doesn't know what to teach and then 
how to teach. Number two says smart students can make a professor's life miserable. That's for sure. Number three is not everyone is the best at communicating his or her knowledge. And this is uh, is practically defending the teachers. Sometimes they really um, uh, lack the, the ability to communicate. They know what they were supposed to know, but they don't know how to communicate it. And finally, number four is interesting. It says professors are busy and sometimes teach classes outside of their specific expertise, which is a very polite form of saying that uh, if you don't know the subject, you should not, you should not uh, endeavor in teaching. And in the Bible, there is an interesting story. It's a well-known story, but uh, I have an impression that sometimes we don't understand all the depth of this passage. This is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And this is a dialogue between Nicodemus and then Jesus. And as you listen to the, to the scripture reading, you probably notice that uh, Jesus was making a statement to this man according to John 3 and 10. And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And do not know these things? So this is a situation when somebody is a teacher, but he does not know what he is supposed to teach. So I would like to read the story. Um, first of all, I'm reading the first Ten verses of this chapter. Then we go a little further, if time permits. But this is a very well-known, very much quoted, read Bible passage. This is in in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And I'm reading the first ten verses. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. So a teacher is talking to another teacher. So he is saying, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, or in another translation, Amen, Amen. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, or amen, amen. I say to you, unless one is born 
of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Was it an embarrassing situation for Nicodemus being a teacher? Well, Jesus put it in a very polite way. But he still said that if you are a teacher, you should know what to teach. And of course, what Jesus was referring to was much more than head knowledge. It was not theoretical knowledge of God or the Spirit of God, but a very practical one which affected the life of every person. And it is called the new birth. Because based on the words of Jesus, without the Spirit there is no new birth. But let's look at this story a little bit. Who was this man, Nicodemus? What do we know about him? Do you know that there are three places in the Gospel of John, and only in John, when we can read about this man? This is the first place, chapter 3, then chapter 7, then chapter 19. And what we know about him is that he was a Pharisee. And if you know who the Pharisees were, then you understand that this man had a very high esteem of God's law. He believed that by keeping the law, he would be in the kingdom of God. And it was to his shock that Jesus said, unless you are born again, you won't see the kingdom of God or you won't be able to enter the kingdom. But he had a belief system that as long as he keeps the law, he is safe. Are we saved because we keep the law? That would be a tragedy for us because it would lead us to self-justification. So he was a Pharisee, but he was a ruler, which means that he was a member of the Sanhedrin. There was a body of Jewish elders, scribes, Pharisees, and the high priest. And as we know that they had about 70 members, 70, number 71 was the high priest. 
And the high priest in the time of Jesus was a Sadducee rather than a Pharisee. And they had big fights between each other. But beside this, we know one more thing about this man, that he was a rich man. How, how do we know that? Well, we have no time to read all those Bible passages, but if in your mind you go to John chapter 19 and read the story about the burial of Jesus. Who buried Jesus? Two people. One of them was Joseph of Arimathea, And the Bible says that he was a rich man. And he even offered his own tomb based on the Gospel of Matthew to to bury Jesus in. But we know something else about Nicodemus that he brought myrrh and some spices There was not an embalming process, but they put those in the tomb with the deceased. Do you know how much he he brought? Spices and myrrh. The Bible says it was about 100 pounds. And I remember the story of Mary Magdalene. She had a little bit of spunk, spark nard, uh, in, in a bottle, in an alabaster bottle. He, she broke it, and some said this is waste of money because that would have been sold for two, two hundred denarii or three hundred denarii. That would be a year's wages. And that was just a little bit of special ointment. Try to imagine a hundred pounds. So if the little bit costed uh, about a, a year's wages, how much much costed uh, the the spangnard or or the myrrh? What this this man, this rich man, brought? And so my understanding is that he was a very famous, he was educated because of he was a, was a Pharisee, he was a ruler, member of the Sanhedrin, and he was very rich. But he exhibited something which was very interesting. He went to Jesus by night. And so I am, I was curious, what does that mean he went, he went to Jesus by night? Why did he do that? Well, if you turn a few pages back to John chapter 1, and verse 4, it says, In him, meaning in the word, was life, and the life was the light of man. So in Jesus was life, and life was the light of man. This man, a Pharisee, who believed that he had light, 
but he didn't know what he was teaching, went to the light at night. And there was something surprising to me. Why did he decide to do this? If if he was really an honest seeker, why didn't he go at daytime? Why did he choose nighttime? And isn't it interesting that he wanted to know a little more about the light and he wanted to do it in the darkness? And you know, at the end of of their conversation, Jesus said something. This is in John 3. We go back to John 3 and verses 20 and 21. Jesus said, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. But it was at the end of the discussion. But as you see, Jesus was very patient with this man. What did he say in verse 2? This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. So what was, what was he really talking about? He said, we know. Do you think it was, was his understanding or his view, or, or did he talk about somebody else? Well, it's hard to decide, because sometimes... When you want to be polite with somebody, what do you say? (laughs) What would you say? Well, that's our understanding. Or that's our view. Or that's our perspective. But you, (coughs) excuse me, you don't want to disclose yourself, your own view. (coughs) So this man, what he did, went to Jesus and he said, we know that you are a teacher sent from God or coming from God for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. We know that in the previous chapter, because context, as I mentioned during the Sabbath school, is everything. If you go in your mind, go back to chapter 2, What did Jesus do? He was cleansing the temple in John chapter 2. And Ellen White in The Desire of Ages is making a comment that Nicodemus was there and Nicodemus saw what Jesus was doing. And it made a huge impression in his mind that there is somebody Almost an unknown, lowly carpenter from Nazareth. And now he is cleansing the temple. Who is this man? And Jesus made something, a very interesting statement after cleansing the temple. 
Because they were asking, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? And he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So Nicodemus heard that message and it triggered his interest. And Ellen White is writing about this man, and you know, in Desire of Ages, uh, chapter 17, the, the whole chapter is dealing with Nicodemus. If you want to read it at home, chapter 17 of the Desire of Ages. The whole chapter is devoted to the study of Nicodemus. And in the Bible, we find just a few words about Nicodemus. But Ellen White is making some comments. And I'd like to read some. We could, we could spend the whole day talking about Nicodemus, but what we need to understand is that this man had a triggered interest. And he remembered the words of Jesus that destroyed this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Of course, John who was one of the twelve, did not understand, and nobody else could really understand the words of Jesus, but he made a comment. Verse 22, this is John 2, 22. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So after the resurrection of Jesus, it came back to their mind. Did it happen to you that something came back to your mind after some time? I'm not talking about things, everyday things, when you go from one room to the other and you forget the purpose of your going but it, it happens when somebody is telling you something and you, you, tell, you tell yourself that, yes, that's what it is. That's, I remember that. Then all of a sudden it disappears and after some time, something triggers your memory. And all of a sudden you say, oh yeah, that, that's, what, that's what he said. That's exactly what happened to Nicodemus. And he said, this man is, who is, is showing that type of signs, he must be from God. And we don't know for sure whether he was polite, saying that we know, or he wanted to hide his own understanding. But either way, the point is that this man wanted to be polite. And what we can what we can know from his story is that he started studying the prophecies. Ellen White in this book, Desire of Ages on page one sixty eight says since hearing Jesus, Nicodemus had anxiously studied the prophecies relating to the Messiah. And the more he searched, 
the stronger was his conviction that this was the one who was to come. So the words of Jesus triggered his interest. And as it happened to the disciples, that after the resurrection of Jesus, they remembered the scriptures as well as the words of Jesus. This man, Nicodemus, started studying the prophecies about the Messiah. So it could be that there was his own personal conviction. And he said, nobody can perform that kind of miracles. What you did or you you do, you are doing still, unless God is with him. But his understanding was not complete. He started studying the scriptures. But he did not acknowledge that Jesus was the Messiah. What did he say? Rabbi, which means teacher. We know that you are a teacher come from God. And you are doing these signs and God is with you. That's how far his knowledge expanded. So his words expressed a little bit of unbelief. He understood some, but not everything. And so my advice to you would be, it is always good to go step by step in understanding the word of God, especially the book of Revelation. Please forgive me. (laughs) The book of Revelation is the most beautiful book in the Bible. And I love that book. I studied quite a bit. I wrote my dissertation on Revelation. So I... I gathered quite a bit of information, but I would not claim to be an expert who knows everything. But I think I have enough to understand when somebody is not in harmony with the rest of the scriptures. So when we we want to understand Revelation, we need to study the whole Bible. I don't know how much Nicodemus studied of the Bible. How many prophecies he read. But Ellen White is making a comment here that he started studying the scriptures. Especially about the Messiah. So he had some knowledge, but he had to grow. And that's what we also need to understand, that whenever we start studying the Bible, we need to grow step by step. So what was Jesus' response to this man? Verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, meaning, Amen, Amen. That's in the original, Amen, Amen, which means that surely or indeed, or truly, or to be faithful. So most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus did not engage in a discussion about signs. I know we have a good magazine, The Signs of the Times. It's a really good magazine. I don't know if you read that. Do you read that magazine? Signs of the Times? 
very good magazine. But we need to know a little bit more than the signs of the times. So, this man was understanding something about the signs, but Jesus said, there is something more important than the signs. So he did not engage in a long discussion about signs, performing signs, but he said, unless you are born again, you won't see the kingdom, or you... um, You cannot see, yes. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, if there was somebody, there was a Pharisee who believed that he surely will see the kingdom of God because he kept everything. And if you ever have time to read a not so uh, pleasant part of the Bible you would go to Matthew chapter 23 where Jesus is talking against the Pharisees and and, uh, the scribes and he is mentioning seven times woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites it's not a pleasant reading to be honest But Jesus was showing them a mirror, telling them that unless you do more or you understand the spiritual side, you won't see the kingdom. They were pretty sure, they were 100% sure that if there is one, first he said, I'll be the one. And I can imagine that this man, Nicodemus, who was a ruler who was a member of the Sanhedrin, a very talented, a very learned, rich, and well-accepted and honored man. He believed that he will be there, he will see the kingdom of God. And it seems that he did not really understand the spiritual side of the things. What was his response? Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? What was this? There was irony. There was practically a rejection. And he wanted to paint a picture in front of Jesus and he wanted to tell this master then you don't know what you are talking about is it possible for an old man to be born again which is practically an indication that he was not a young man but how is it possible is it something that, that that's happening biologically. And of course, it's a clear indication that he misunderstood everything. He had no clue. He had no understanding of what Jesus was talking about because he did not come to the point of 
spiritually understanding things. So what did Jesus say? Verse 5, most assuredly, he's saying the second time, I mean the first time in this context, but he's saying it another time, um, just a few verse, I'm thinking verse 11 again, but he said most assuredly, or amen, amen, if you want to be faithful, then listen to what I'm saying. He said that unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And there was an explanation added to this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Something which is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. What does that mean? Well, Ellen White is making a comment on page 171. This is all about uh, the desire for ages, 171 and 172. He was irritated by the close application to himself. The pride of the Pharisee was struggling against the honest desire of the seeker of the truth. But it says in his infinite wisdom, Jesus saw before him a seeker of the truth. Which means that in the eyes of Jesus, it was clear that this man is a seeker for truth. In his own eyes, this man was irritated. And he could not really apply this statement to himself. Because he said, how is it possible for an old man to be born again? Well, spiritual life comes from the spirit. It never comes from the law. So there was a struggle in this man between faith and unbelief. And he, what he needed was not so much theoretical knowledge, but a spiritual experience. And so if you go to verse, verses 8 to 10, it says, because Jesus is using an example, this man could not understand the statement that what comes from the spirit is spirit, what comes from flesh, flesh is flesh. So Jesus is giving him a very simple illustration. It says the wind, and I need to, need to tell you something, the term wind, or, or this word which is translated wind in the Greek is spirit. The same word could be translated wind or the spirit. And uh, I, I believe Nicodemus, who was a learned man, he understood this. And so Jesus said, the spirit blows where it wishes. 
and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, sometimes you don't know how the Spirit is working. And there's another quotation here which is very interesting. By an agency, this is on page 172 of uh, Desire of Ages. By the agency, agency as unseen as wind, Christ is constantly working upon the heart. Little by little, perhaps unconsciously, to the receiver, impressions are made that tend to draw the soul to Christ. These may be received through meditating upon him, through reading the scriptures, or through hearing the word from the living preacher. So this man was listening to Jesus, was hearing the teaching. And he had to understand something that the Spirit is working on his heart, step by step. It's not something compared to the spiritual birth. We know that life cannot come from other source, source than life. So spiritual life cannot come from other source than the Spirit, who can give us a new life. And then, uh, then Ellen White is making a further comment on page 173. Jesus asked, Are you a master of Israel or a teacher of Israel and knowest not these things? His words convey the lesson that instead of feeling irritated over the plain words of truth, Nicodemus should have had a very humble opinion of himself because of his spiritual ignorance. Yet Jesus spoke with such solemn dignity and both look and tone expressed such earnest love that Nicodemus was not offended as he realized his humiliating condition. So to me, the, the most amazing part of this story is how Jesus was patient with this man. And although there was some kind of irritation in him, he was kind of ironic, and he made strange comments. <clears throat> but through the words of Jesus, the Spirit was working, started working in his heart. And so how this whole discussion or, or dialogue ended. Uh, let, let's read from verse 11 to to 17. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, 
who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I don't know if you notice something very interesting. That at the end of verse 15, it says, Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life or everlasting life. And at the end of the next verse, verse 16, it says, Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Same sentence. And between those two sentences, there is the focus. Whenever you find something in the Bible repeated twice within a close context, the message is not simply in the repetition but it's in the middle. And what is in the middle? God saw of the world that he gave his only begotten son or only son that whoever believes, and it's repeating the previous verse, but the focus is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When do you think Nicodemus finally understood this? Well, Jesus was making a reference to Moses. And every Jew knew the story of Moses and the, the story of the bronze serpent on a pole. Do you know why Moses had to make that serpent and put it on a pole? What happened to the Israelites? It was out in the wilderness. And since they were complaining, they did not like the manna. They had no enough water. And they were complaining about God and Moses and saying that you brought out, brought us out to the desert just to die. Had no perspective. So God decided According to the Bible, he sent fiery, or today we we would translate it uh, venomous, venomous snakes. And those who were bitten by the snakes all died, except, except when they looked up to the bronze serpent. They did not have to do anything. They did not have to take medication or an ointment or whatever. The Bible says that they simply had to look up. And those who did were healed even though they had the snake bite. They had the venom in their body. What was this? 
It was a pure act of faith. When do you think Nicodemus understood this? When Jesus died. Because uh, Jesus said that the same way as Moses lifted up the serpent, the son of man should be lifted up. And Ellen White is writing in this chapter, it's a beautiful chapter, read it at home. Chapter 17 of the Desire of Ages. Um, Ellen White is writing that Nicodemus witnessed the death of Jesus. And together with another rich man, his name was Joseph, two rich men met and they decided to bury the master, savior, son of God, son of man, the healer, So the point is that these two men gathered together on a Friday afternoon before sunset and they decided that they should show honor and bury the body. And so that's what they did. And to me it's amazing that this man, Nicodemus, finally understood something. That the cross of Jesus revealed the love of God. And there is no greater power than love. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So it's all about love. It's not about doing things. Or, or following certain regulations, but simply accepting the love of God. And that love would change us. Because love is a spiritual thing. And spiritual thing only comes from spiritual. So that's a beautiful example of how Jesus was patiently working on the mind of this man. And he knew from the very beginning that in his heart he is um, a very honest man because he's seeking for truth. But because of his education, because of his position, because of his role in society, or maybe because of his his bringing up as a Pharisee, he did not see better than this. But according to the words of Jesus, this is the whole thing. If you are born again, you will see the kingdom of God. May God bless all of us and, and give us this experience of new birth. if we want to see the kingdom of God. Amen.
Our closing hymn is on um, hymn number 672, 672, The Spirit of the Living God. Uh, since it's a short hymn, we're going to sing uh, the hymn twice. There's only one verse, so we'll sing it twice. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Let us bow our heads for a closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus. It's an old, old story. But it carries much weight. It is right on target. It's not about theoretical knowledge of, of a religious manner, but it is a personal experience with the Holy Spirit. And that's what this old man needed. He probably spent his whole lifetime observing certain rules and regulations And he believed that he would see the kingdom of God. If there is anyone, he is the one who would really see the kingdom. But as he finally understood, this is not about doing. It's not simply understanding. Doing and understanding have their roles in our lives. But this is more than that. He was the teacher of Israel and he did not know what he was supposed to understand that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And so Jesus is teaching, was teaching him. And what a privilege that finally he understood 
Although Jesus was already dead, but he expressed his thankfulness for this dialogue. And he was working together with with Joseph of Arimathea, and his two men were brave enough to go to Pilate and ask for the body of Jesus. And so they did what their conscience were, were telling them. They had to understand that this is the greatest power in the whole universe. When someone is convinced by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit is giving us love, that's the fruit of the Spirit. So, Lord, we want to ask you to work in our hearts and minds and help us to prepare ourselves for tomorrow for this important meeting. But also help us to spend this Sabbath day meditating on the life of Jesus. And we want to thank you, Lord, for what you have showed in the person of Jesus that you so loved this world that you gave your only one. And we just simply need to believe and we would not perish. So, Lord, we want to thank you for this great of a sacrifice in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.